Okay, I want to I speak to you this evening about growing in God. But I want to first of just share with you a testimony. On Thursday, Friday, I went into Facebook and uh, someone from Brazil, from Rio de Janeiro, um, tagged me in a Facebook post and, uh, and then it just went all crazy. Like 180 comments, the Brazilians went wild. 180 comments plus, and everybody was sharing it and liking it and going wild. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? And, uh, and I read the Portuguese, and I clicked on translate, and I still wasn't really sure. But something happened, so I asked someone to translate it for me. And this is the story. I prayed for this lady, Josie Costa, in Rio de Janeiro. Now, the doctors will enjoy this. She says, my miracle, I went, I'm just shortening the the testimony, I went to the ICU mid-November 2015, so the doctors could figure out what was wrong with me. The day of the biopsy, I found out that I had a something effusion, but I didn't know what that was. After four seizures, the doctors decided to take me to surgery. Imagine hearing that they're going to stick a needle right next to your heart. It was horrible, but everything worked out in the end. After surgery, I went back to the ICU, and there I saw God's love once again. The surgeon told me he removed 200 milliliters of pus from around my heart, and if he hadn't done so, I would not have lasted for more than a week. There were four days hooked up to a pipe. I couldn't sit or turn and even move, let alone sleep, but I was thankful for being alive. After that, I was quarantined because they suspected I had tuberculosis, but that was not the case. On November the 27th, I was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. There and then, my world fell apart. A thousand thoughts went through my head. This very day, the doctors extracted a sample of my bone marrow for biopsy, which was the worst pain I felt in my life. I had the first chemotherapy session and was finally released from hospital after being there for 18 days. Right after that, I had high fever, had to return to hospital for four more days. Then I received the results from the bone marrow biopsy. Stage 4B, non-Hodgkin large cell lymphoma. And she said, I had no idea how serious that was. Now, stage 4B means that I was doing some research last night. (laughs) So the stage 4 is basically the worst it can be, and it says that it's gone beyond the lymph glands. So you've got lymph glands in your neck, your, under your arms, that's more visible. And uh, all these were swollen with the cancer. It spread to all of that, but it went beyond that into her bone marrow as well. And it was 4B, B meaning even that the symptoms are quite advanced, meaning the, the disease is quite advanced. So it spread all over her body, and, uh, and she was in very, very bad space. Then on December the 10th, I'm sure it was the day of my miracle, after Pastor Andre and his team prayed for me, the lumps on my neck were gone. I had no doubt that God had cured me and all the other lumps had vanished as well. And then she said, yesterday, in in this week, yesterday the doctor told me, you are well, but what you had was very serious. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a hand. Come on. And it just shows that Jesus is alive. So I was praying for this lady, and she didn't look good, and uh, I prayed for her, and then I said, test. So she went to her neck, and she looked, and her eyes went like, it's gone. It's gone. (laughs) The lumps are gone. So in that very instant, Jesus healed all the cancer in her body. Isn't that blessed? I mean, not just a little bit of cancer, like full-on, full-blown, she should be dying cancer. Amen. Anyway, I was blessed, and I just realized that Jesus is alive and powerful, you know? And I know God wants to do amazing things in our midst. So I've got two things on my heart. The one hand, I'm on a mission to have people encounter the living God. I want to lay hands on people. I want to pray for people. I want them to encounter Jesus. You know, like the one girl... Last week, in the morning service, prayed for her. She went down under the power of the Spirit. In other words, the power of God hit her. Sometimes when the power of God comes upon us, it overwhelms us. It overwhelms our emotions. It overwhelms our soul, our spirit, our whole being. The result is we wanted to stand, but we just can't. And we go down in some cases. They go down to the floor. And sometimes they're out there on the floor for a while. And what's happening then? It's like God is doing surgery on the inside. How do we know this? Because we interview them afterwards and we ask them, what did you feel? 
That's, that's the one leg, but that's not enough on its own. There's another leg in terms of growing in God, and that's what I want to speak about tonight, because I'm trusting the Lord for a culture in our midst that every one of us would take ownership of our growth in God, saying, I want to grow. I'm going to do whatever I can, but I am going to grow. I'm going to be there wherever I need to be, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be where God is moving. I want to grow in Christ. And then secondly, and then I'm going to get to in a moment, is I'm trusting God for a culture where we help one another grow. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quick, just quick introduction in terms, of, in terms of that Jesus said in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, he said, go and make disciples. That's what he told his apostles and his disciples. Go and make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Christ. A disciple is someone that looks like Jesus and follows Jesus looks and lives like Christ. In other words, we're not looking for converts. Okay, you prayed the prayer, you're going to church, but your life is still a complete mess. Obviously, for a season, it's probably still a complete mess. It's a journey, okay? It's not like in a moment you're perfect. Okay, but so God commands us go and make disciples, help people on this road from salvation on this journey. To become like Jesus. To become like Christ. And so how it works is, when you start off, most of us, when we come to Christ for the first time, we are a mess. Anybody that can relate to that? When you came to Christ, me, mess. Solid mess. I was like, I was like uh, just holding on for dear life until Wednesday night, small group. Otherwise, I'm going to do some really, really stupid stuff. Then I get my, my full up. Woohoo! Praise Jesus. And then I'm like, okay, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I see it. Hold on for dear life until Sunday. I'm going to make it. And then I, I actually went to Friday night prayer meetings. We had every Friday night prayer meeting. So I was like, from Wednesday, hold on to Friday, and Friday, hold on to Sunday. That was my lifeline. That was my lifeline. You see, most of us have no idea how messed we are when we come to Jesus. Until you get growing in Christ and you look back and say, woo. What a mess. What a mess. <laughs> you only realize it along the way when you, when you actually grow in God. And that's fine. It's no issue. That's how we all, you know. That's how we grow. But Jesus said, make disciples. And that's the very purpose of the church is to make disciples. Now the question is, how do we grow? What are the best ways? What are the best ways to grow? Let's get some... For those who weren't in the midst of the sermon this morning, uh, what are some ways that we can grow? Any ideas? Let's do interactive church here. Say again? Through prayer. Yes, we can pray. So we're growing in our relationship with God. We speak to Him and we listen to what He's saying. We have more hands over here. Yes. Read the book. The book. The Bible. Absolutely. Come on. Yo, you've got some wonderful parents, huh? Teaching you the way. Someone else. Community. Yes. Community. Part of growing is being in community. Say so. Yeah. Yes. Amen. So in a sense of asking God. Say, God, I want to grow in an area. I want to learn. Speak to me. And he's faithful to do so. Anybody else wants to pop an idea? They're at the back. Asking for forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of that journey. One of the first things the Lord will bring to us after coming to Christ is forgive. Otherwise, I can't forgive you. And then there's a continuous journey. Because everybody offends us the whole time, don't they? Enduring hard times. Absolutely. It's an endurance that... 
to, to keep on growing is to press through the difficult times and the difficult seasons. Definitely. To let go and let God. Oh, I must do a sermon on that one. Huh? To let go and to let God. To be accountable to one another. Huh? Someone said, to be accountable is to give an account for your ability, not your inability. Accountability is not just, I've sinned. It's giving an account of what God has placed upon your life, your destiny, your call. Amen. Okay, so how do we grow best? There's one of the options. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a few. I want to start off with community. You grow best in community. And I, in, in my book, Increasing Heaven's Flow, I speak about this, the greenhouse. Church is like a greenhouse. So there are plants inside, and the greenhouse creates an environment where people can grow, or plants can grow. So the church is the same, creates an environment where people can grow. Okay, but there are different types of uh, uh, churches or different types of greenhouses. The first one is a fantasy. I read an article this week. A fantasy church. What is a fantasy church? A fantasy church is you go to church and people go to the church, but they leave unchanged. There's no reality of God in the house. There are no manifest life change happening. It's a fantasy church. It's like having your little water canister, but the water canister has no water in it. So you're like, oh, I'm going to water you. And a little over there. It's fantasy church. I'm watering you. I'm watering you. But there's no water. Or it's playing soccer without the ball and without the goal, but we're doing soccer. Some churches are like that. And praise God, we don't want to be like that. And anyway, so then factory church... Those are the churches that are highly structured, on a mission. It's like grow, 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 grow. And, but it's like the cookie cutter type of discipleship. It says that everybody is the same. The factory church. Everybody is the same. It's like we assume everybody is a tropical plant. So we're going to give you that amount of water. And the poor de- desert plant is like freaking out, feeling overwhelmed. I can't take this. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Okay? Factory church. And then what I believe God has called us to be and what I believe we are is that balance. The factory church guys have a lot of good stuff, a lot of good things that they have done over the ages. But the result of the factory church, everybody will be treated the same, is that people burn out. They burn out. They're driven like we must have this happen type of thing. And they burn out. Family church. Say family church. This is God's heart. In Ephesians 3, it speaks about God the Father, the the Father of the family, and that we are a family. The church is a family. So in a family, you would have little, little babies growing up to become adults. In a family, you would treat each of your three children, in a sense, differently. Obviously, something's the same, but if they are wired differently, you must treat them differently. According to their wiring, according to their destiny, we must handle them differently. It's like the creative ones must be treated differently to the mathematical, linear, I make my bed in a straight line type of thing. Who are, who are the creatives amongst us? You're a little bit, not, not linear, you're creative. Creatives, creatives, creatives. We have some linear ones, linear. <laughs> no, but if you, if you treat the creative as you would the linear thinking one, you're going to freak out the little one, unfortunately. Or like as some dads, you know, I'm like a, the rugby guys would be like, I'm a blue bull. I want my boy to be blue bull. Blue bull. We do horns. We do blue bull. We're intense. And now the boy wants to do ballet. Dad's worst nightmare. It's the end of the world. But if dad forces the little one into his mold, he's going to destroy the child in a sense. The child always feels I'm not good enough. My dad always wanted someone else. It's not me. You know, and I think church should be the same. We should trust God to reveal to us, who are you? What is your wiring? What is your destiny? What is the prophetic word over your life? What is God's plan for you? And not just same cookie cutter type of approach. 
family. And family is also like a mom and a dad. In a healthy family, has a mom and a dad. Why? Because they balance one another out. They bring the whole, you know, God is like father and mother in a sense. So the, the fullness of God is revealed when there's a mother and a father involved. In the same way, I believe it's with church. God wants team ministry. People together. You know, I've, I've, my wife balances me out. I tend to go on a mission, an apostolic mission. I tend to get intense. I apologize if that freaks you out sometimes. But, but my wife needs to remind me every now and again, there's something called relationship. There's sometimes we just need to chill and be, be relaxed and not go pray for people in the hospital and, 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 and storm out changing the world. There are times where you must just, like the child must just sit on dad's lap and we just chill and we just have fun. You know? And so, so, so that's family. It's not just one leadership style that is the key. Okay, so how do we grow best? We grow best in community. Secondly, how do we grow best? We grow best when we grow others. We grow best when we grow others. At the beginning of this year, I felt the Lord speak to me that, about discipleship. And I felt God say to me, the power of discipleship, in other words, the power of becoming like Christ is found in discipling others. The power of discipleship is found in discipling others. In other words, some of us are not growing spiritually as we would want to. And one of the big reasons, one of the reasons is that you are not discipling someone else. You're not growing someone else. You, you, you're just me focused. It's just it's me. I come to church for me. I come to church to grow me, but I promise you, you will grow next level when you start taking someone by the hand and walking them on a journey. Even like we're doing now here in Southernwood and, and in Beacon Bay and, you know, I promise you, the moment you start looking beyond yourself to looking after someone else, you start praying more passionately, you start searching the scriptures more passionately, you're like, I need to help this person encounter Jesus or it's game over. And that, that, that moves me forward. We grow when we grow others. And we must trust Jesus that we're going to create a culture in this church where everybody's looking after somebody else. You're just like a month Christian. I think, what do I know? Well, you know one month more than a person that has just come to Jesus. You know one month more. And it was beautiful on Wednesday night at our life group. We were praying for some people. And then uh, we asked Aviwe to pray with someone else. And he joined in. And he, for the first time, he prayed. He was afraid to pray aloud before anybody. Now he's praying for someone else with someone. And he's like, oh, he had tears in his eyes. Like, this is amazing to pray for someone else. It's profound. Never thought of it type of thing, you know. Because I'm the young Christian. I don't know anything. No, you have Jesus on the inside of you. Let's say it. I have Jesus in the, on the inside of me. So there's so much that you can give. There's so much that you can share with others. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. As you make disciples, you're going to grow. As you take someone by the hand, say, come. Come. Come, come, let me take you to Jesus. You see, when we start off, and this is with all of us the same, when we are young in Christ, we've just made the commitment to Jesus, we, 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 we are not that connected at the start. It just, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be sorted. But the rest of us must then take them by the hand and lead them to Jesus until Jesus and them take hands. And then Jesus takes them forward. But at the start, we need to be there. We need to help people. We need to support them. We need to follow up with them. We need to help. It's the only way. Okay, I want to read this verse for you. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4. Some context. Timothy is a young man. The Apostle Paul is his spiritual dad. And the Apostle Paul is now speaking to his spiritual son. 
Paul is in prison. Paul is about to die. He said, the Lord has spoken to me. I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. So this is the last letter that he writes. And he's like, is, is very much speaking from his heart, just downloading the plan. Timothy, to take this gospel forward, you must do the following. You must do the following. So this is very powerful. The whole book of 2 Timothy. But it says there, you therefore, my son... My son, it's like he's the dad looking after his child. He's my son. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Okay, so let's look at it from the top, from verse 1. So I quickly want to break this down for you. It says, be strong. Be strong in the grace. Say, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So I think that's on two levels. On the one hand, Timothy, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. It doesn't matter what the issues are. There is grace. Meaning, empowerment for you to overcome those circumstances. Okay, let's say it. There's grace for me to overcome every circumstance. Amen. So when we say, when we say yes to Jesus, saying, God, I want to make disciples. I want to see your kingdom come. There is grace for you to overcome your deadlines, your lack of finances, your pressure at work, your pressure at home, whatever it is. There is sufficient grace for you to do the will of God. There is. Empowerment from heaven. You must just ask. You must just believe. Believe. Okay, let's say it. There is sufficient grace for me. To overcome. Amen. So it says, be strong, my son. I know I'm going to go. I'm leaving. But be strong in the grace for yourself. And then secondly, know that there's sufficient grace, sufficient power from God to transform lives. You know, when I sometimes work with people, you're like confronted with the reality of where they're coming from, what challenges they're going through. Sometimes you think, I don't know how the heck... (laughs) This is going to work. I don't know. But then I'm reminded of this. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There is sufficient grace from God for us to disciple others. Amen. Whatever environment you may be in. You might be at school. You might be a student. You might be at work. You might be going through whatever. There's grace for you. To take someone by the hand, come to Jesus. I like holding my wife's hand. (laughs) In my book, I speak about five rivers. My wife says there's a sixth river. It's called the river of romance. We still write a book about that someday. But discipleship is about connecting with someone, loving someone, taking them by the hand, and then walking them to Jesus. Okay, be strong. Then it goes on. It says there, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's a multi-generational discipleship process happening. The Apostle Paul imparts to Timothy, Timothy must find faithful men who will teach others. In other words, you must be a disciple-making a, di- a disciple-making discipler <laughs> type of thing. You must make disciples that disciple others. In other words, instead of just saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take you by the hand and you're going to sit in that chair for the next 10 years until you are holy and sinless and perfect. You're like, okay, I'm going to take you by the hand. We're going to go closer to Jesus and I'm going to show you how to lead someone else closer to Jesus. Just go with me. Just come with me. Just come with me. Imagine every one of us would start whatever the little bit that we know imparted to someone else and say, hey, join me. Come, be part of this. Come and pray with me. I'm going to tell our guys now in Beacon Bay as well, from now on, when the leaders come to the front of the church to pray for people, they must grab someone else and say, come pray with me. 
This thing about the super awesome and the average, it must go. There is no super awesome and then average. There's just awesome. Amen. Say, I am awesome. Because Jesus lives in me. <laughs> Amen. And you do understand, I'm not saying you, it's Christ in you, okay? If you have pride issues, we'll pray for you later. I'm first just trying to build up your faith here. Amen. Let's just, let's just say it, because there needs to be a shift in our minds. Say it. I have something to give to others. Amen. You have. Break out of that thing that 10 years from now I will, go, I will be good enough. No. You are, you are. Jesus lives in you right now. Right now. So it goes on there on, in, that, in that verse. And it says, no, it says there, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Yes, so it's hard sometimes to follow Jesus. It is hard sometimes to do the right thing. It is hard sometimes to, to lead someone else who doesn't want to work with you. Stubborn. Don't want to humble themselves. Don't want to bow the knee before Jesus. Don't want to read their Bible. Don't wanna, they're not working with you. So there is an enduring process. And the discipleship process is sometimes very disappointing. Do you know how I feel when someone has given their life to Jesus and we've been walking a road with them and then they just disappear, gone, fallen off the bandwagon? It breaks my heart. Absolutely breaks my heart. So guys, stop breaking my heart. (laughs) Can we just make a deal? Stop breaking my heart. Follow Jesus and make me happy. Other one time, there was a guy in our church, and he phoned me, he came to speak to me about his homosexual, he's, he's a homosexual, he says, and uh, he's been in the church for a while, and he, I spoke to him, he said, come on, man, let's just walk a road with you to help you with these things in your life, your identity issues, etc., etc. And then one night, he, I phoned him and said, okay, what did you decide? What are you going to do? I remember standing at our home, looking out the window, and he said, no, I don't want to try anymore. I'm, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting. I'm going to live the homosexual lifestyle. You know, I was on the phone with him, and the tears just started to run down my face. I was like, and my, my voice broke. I was like, it was like I saw a man jumping into hell, willingly. Willingly saying, I want to go to hell. Because that's the result. Disconnect from church, disconnect from Christianity. Hate all Christians because we're judgmental. And it's not so. Jesus said, these will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you live a wicked, sinful lifestyle, you will experience the consequences of your choices. But from my perspective, I can see it. And it honestly breaks my heart. So I want to I encourage you in this sense. There's endurance necessary. There's endurance that's necessary. It is tough. Endure hardship. Let's say it. Endure hardship. So things are going to happen. Like Sonic said, bad stuff might happen. You might lose your job. You might get a fine for something. You might... Something might go wrong. You might have a bad boss. You might have challenges here, challenges there. Endure. Endure it. Stand. And keep coming to church. Keep going to life group. Keep pursuing God. Keep reading your Bible. Keep pursuing Him. Don't give up. And then the worst one is when you come to church and someone is ugly with you. Someone didn't say the nice thing to you. They didn't phone you on your birthday. They didn't, you walked in the door there. Pastor walks right past you. Didn't even smile. Pastor hates me or something, you know. I probably just didn't see you. So I walked past you. I'm sorry. Forgive us for what we're going to do. Endure. Don't allow the enemy to bring offenses to you to shut down your heart to cause you to walk away. You lose everything. You lose everything. And then you will break my heart. 
Say, if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for me. (laughs) But rather do it for yourself. (laughs) There's an endurance that's necessary that is one of the keys to walk, to grow in Christ. You must endure hardship. And then it says, do not be entangled. Do not be entangled. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Who's that please him? Who, who, who's that? Please who? That's Jesus. Do you know that the moment you said yes to follow Jesus, you were signed up as a soldier in the army of God? Let's say it, I'm a soldier. You are a soldier. You've been enlisted. And now he says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the things of this world. In other words, we are in a war. When you consider coming to life group or church on a Sunday and you don't feel like it, I promise you it's not God. Probably something else trying to keep you away. Don't go. I promise you, the spirit realm is real. That we hear voices. Who hears voices? I hear voices sometimes. Eh? And you must always figure out who is speaking. Is it your own voice? Is it the devil's voice? Or is it God? God will lead you to church. God will lead you to life group. God will lead you to read your Bible. God will lead you into relationship. God will lead you into community. The enemy wants to disconnect you. Because then you're in trouble. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. In other words, we get distracted. We take our eye off the ball. The mission is disciple people. That's the great commission. That's the mission. And we must join that mission. We must co-labor with the mission. Co-mission. Co-mission. The mission is to lead people closer to Christ. And when they come to Christ, to lead them further. That's the mission. But life sometimes entangles us. We get distracted. I'm busy with self, me and myself. I promise you, if you want to grow, grow others. Take them by the hand, lead them. Let's say again, I have much to give. You have, you have. Okay, so the second one is grow others. Third thing, quickly, take responsibility for your own growth. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, be diligent. Say diligent. To present yourself approved to God. To present yourself approved to God. Because the bottom line is, one day you're going to stand before God. On judgment day, we're going to stand before God. But even before that, we, we stand before Him. When we worship, we're standing before Him. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So be diligent to present yourself approved to God. In other words... Take ownership of your own spiritual growth. Do you know how hard it is to take someone by the hand and say, come to Jesus, and they don't want to? No, I don't have time. No, I'm busy. No, excuses, excuses. What are you going to say to Jesus one day when you stand before him on the judgment day? What are you going to say? Yes, you're going to cry. I agree. You're going to (laughs) cry. It's finally end, don't worry. That's a prophetic sign. You're going to cry. You're going to cry because you're going to stand before him one day and God's going to ask you, why did you walk away from me? Why did you lose your way? Why didn't you allow that person to lead you by the hand close to me? Why did you always have excuses? Why was it like, why didn't you put your heart and your passion into the saying, I want to grow? Why? And then you're going to cry. I promise you. You're going to be in big trouble. It's the reality of it. But there's another level. You might make heaven. You might make heaven. But imagine this, a general of the army is looking for someone to fulfill a very, very important task. There's a massive war raging. The general knows this message must get through to that side so that we can win this battle. Who am I going to ask? Who am I going to ask? So you think about it. He wants a faithful man. Faithful man. Okay, but he's thinking, okay, this guy, Sergeant so-and-so, take this letter over there. Get it to the other side. We need it to, to, to win this battle. Sergeant takes off. 
but he's overweight, he's unfit, he's absolutely useless. So halfway he clubs down like, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And they lose the battle. Game over. I'm trying to illustrate, we need to be spiritually fit. So that when God gives us an assignment, we can take it, run it, all the way. It's going to be. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fulfill it. You see, that's where my heart and my mind is at. That's where, where I am at. I'm like, God, just make me, and I'm getting fitter. <laughs> you pray for people for 32 hours, etc., etc. You, you, begin, you begin to become fit. You become fit. You become, but I've got one mission. God, I am your man. If you want a mission done, my hand's in the air. I'll do it. Whatever you want. I am, I, I, I am that man. What about you? Are you that man? Are you that woman? Are you, are you someone that God can trust with this important message to run? Or will you have excuses? Will you have reasons why not? Or will you just be so unfit, so spiritually unfit that you have no capacity to go anywhere? So there's a fitness that needs to come. Be diligent. In other words, work hard. Be diligent. Work hard. Pray. Read the word. Seek the face of God. Nothing in this life comes for free. They say the gospel is free. True, but it will cost you everything. It costs you everything. It costs you your life. It, 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 when, when, you, when you become an, a soldier in the army of God, you live differently. We try to get in bed earlier at night so we can get up in the morning and spend time with Jesus. And then we can't sleep, and so then we pray for hours into the night in any case. <laughs> But we're fit. We're fit. We're continuously praying in the Spirit. Continuously pursuing the face of God. Continuously ready. God, what is, what is your will? What are you wanting to do? God, we're getting in the Word. We're consuming the Word until it's consuming us. We're being diligent. We're being diligent. You can be as well. But you need to say yes. And you say, God, I will need this grace. I need this help. I want to make an impact on my friends. I want to make an impact on this community. I want to make a difference. So, maybe you make heaven, and you stand before God one day, and God says to you, I could never give you anything important. You just were never ready, and you always had excuses. You missed out on the greatest privilege of serving me on the earth. I would be really, really sad on that day if my Savior, the one who gave his life for me, says to me, I wasted my life. You wasted your life. You wasted your life. You never led anyone into Jesus. You never discipled others. You never got into the word as you should have. You always had excuses. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm this. I'm that. Ah. Let's stop the excuses. A soldier doesn't make excuses. It's tough. You march for hours and days and you have blisters and everything else. And it's painful. It's uncomfortable. But you are a soldier so you don't make excuses. And you know that lives are at stake. You know, so here in Southernwood, every now and again, I want to run away, to be honest. Beacon Bay is like a church, you know, compared to Southernwood. But I know I have signed up, I've said yes, and I'm not running away. And I'm going to grow, I'm going to go closer to Jesus, I'm going to grow. Come on. What if a brand of Christians rise up, a generation of Christians rise up, who no longer make excuses, but who are diligent, who are different, who see the kingdom come. Hmm? Who wants to stand before Jesus one day? The king of glory, the king of heaven and earth with like a, a hundred million people in the throne room. And he says to you, well done. Whew. Yeah, come on. Awesome. I want that. You're not just going to get a well done. You're going to get a standing ovation because the army of God, those who've been faithful on the earth has come, has entered heaven. Wow. I want that. You can have that as well. It's not about having a big ministry. It's just about being faithful. And that's what I want to end off with. Faithfulness. This is the one that God is looking for. This is the type of man or woman that God wants to walk with. Faithful. 
Look at this. Numbers 12. God is backing Moses. His sister and brother Miriam and Aaron stands against him. They're accusing Moses, saying, we can do a better job. And then God appears and says, you three, come here. And then God speaks. And then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. (sighs) Amazing. God Almighty saying, this man, Moses, is different than all the rest of the people. For he is faithful. Say faithful. Faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And I realize God values a faithful man or a faithful woman. What is faithful? What does it mean to be faithful? Well, it starts with the basics. It's like when you say, I'll be there, you're there. Yes is your yes. Your no is your no. And if you can't make it, you send a WhatsApp and say, sorry, I can't make it. But that's being faithful. What is being faithful? Faithful is doing ordinary things in an extraordinary way. Faithful. It's like doing ushering. I'm doing ushering. It's not glamorous. But I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to do it with so much passion. I'm going to do it as unto God. Faithful. Imagine you speak to a guy, you ask him this question, oh, so what do you do for a living? And he says, no, I make eggs, scrambled eggs every morning for an old lady. You're thinking, shame, man, that's sad. Then he says, well, I'm actually making it for the Queen of England. And I love it. It's such an honor. I do something fresh every morning. Spice up her day. I'm doing it for the Queen. Isn't that exactly how it is to be a Christian? You're doing it for the king. You're doing it for the king. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing it for the king. I'm going to be faithful. It's not about me. It's not about my life. It's about I have been enlisted in the army. And even if I have to die for this cause, I will die. If I must be uncomfortable, I will be uncomfortable. But I'm doing it for the king of glory. And I'm going to heaven. I was on my way to hell. I was lost forever. Jesus saved me. I'm thankful. Are you? How thankful are you? How thankful are we? Have we made Jesus the king, our passion? I'm going to make scrambled eggs for the king every day. Such an honor. Faithful. Say faithful. So what does faithfulness look like? This specific pastor said, faithfulness is releasing faith in what you're doing. Faithfulness is releasing faith into what you're doing. And, and this pastor that I read about, he said, he once told God, he was at his little church in the desert, a few souls, it was no, nowheresville. They say it was the, it's the loneliest road in America that you have to drive down. And then you have to turn off the loneliest road in America and drive for an hour. And you have just this caravan park type of thing, scenario. Now he's in that environment and, and he said, God, I want to do something great for you. God says, well, why don't you add faith to what you're already doing? And he did. He did it with all his heart. He did it. This is the most important, most powerful, most blessed, most wonderful privilege in the whole world to serve these people. And God promoted him and promoted him and promoted him. And he's now impacting the world, traveling the world, impacting nations. Why? Because he was faithful. Faithful. Say faithful. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound so exciting in the kingdom in the church world these days. But it's doing ordinary things with great faith. So I want to show you a video clip. A video clip of doing ordinary things in a very special way. It's like, a, this is not in the work environment. So imagine you do your work, your work environment in a, you know, your ordinary things in an extraordinary way. Do you know what's going to happen? You're going to get promoted. I promise you, I'm a leader, 
I'm, always, I'm only looking for one thing, faithfulness. I don't care how anointed you are. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how much you, money you have. I don't care what big positions you have. I'm looking for someone that is faithful and loyal, giving their best. I'll promote you. Now you know the way to the top in church. I will promote faithfulness. People who are present, who give their best, give their all. And we have so many faithful people in this church. I want to honor all of you that are so faithfully serving here and serving in the worship team. And it's, it's phenomenal. Last verse. In, a, in an era where there were only corrupt priests, God said, he spoke to the high priest who was corrupt and he said, to him, then I will raise up for myself. Let, let, let's read this together from the beginning. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. You know, I, that, that's what Sonic and I, that's our heart. We want to be that, those faithful priests. And I believe, what if we become a community, a church where everybody in the church says, we want to be that. We want to be those faithful people. We want to be those who, are, who, who blesses the heart of God. Do you know how you get promoted in the kingdom of God? Faithfulness. Year in and year out, day in and day out, week in and week out. You read your Bible, you pray when no one sees. You serve when no one sees. You keep going, you keep loving people. You keep on giving of yourself. You keep on stepping out. You just keep going and the Lord will promote you. You know, I've, I've never like, you know, it's like, you know the scripture says that God will do exceedingly and abundantly above all, all your, like your wildest dreams. You know, so I've never like, Said God, I want to preach in front of like, like a lot, a lot of people. I mean, wouldn't mind a big church, but I've never said like God, I want big crowds type of thing. And and last year at Convergence, our national conference, I was standing on the stage. I was minding my own business, and uh, it's almost like in our church family, there are a, a whole bunch of guys that feel that I should be one of the speakers. They feel I should be one of the guys coming to share about healing, etc. Because God's really doing something amazing. 700 plus, 700, almost 50 people physically healed through us. And it's not happening and it's fine. I'm not like, I'm not pushing it. Other guys are pushing for it. I'm not pushing for it. But I remember standing on the stage and I was just allowed to facilitate this one session. And I was standing there and just enjoying the worship. And I just felt God whispered to my heart. There was 1,500 people. The Lord said to me, this is a small crowd to where I am taking you. This is a small crowd. And that's exactly what happened now. So middle of the year, we're going to minister to a church of 8,000 people. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm trying to sort of say, God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can imagine. But the path there is faithfulness. The path there is not to get offended. I could have been many times offended in our church family and walked away. I could have walked away from my calling, walked away from my destiny. My destiny is connected to this church family. If I walk away, I walk away from my destiny. But I know, and I know, Sonic and I, we have been faithful. Perfect? No. Faithful? Yes. <laughs> Repentant if I stuff up? Absolutely. I'm sorry. You know, in this week, I sat with a couple. They were bitterly offended about something. They should apologize to me. But it's okay. So I humble myself, I apologize, because I know they're new believers, and I will die if they walk away from Christ. So I will humble myself and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I'm sorry. But then the challenge is on the other side as well. Are you going to forgive? I can say I am sorry, but you can still be offended and walk away. What are you going to do? Are you going to stick? Are you going to stay? Are you going to make this church your family? Family don't walk away. <laughs> Family stick together, even when things are a little bit rough. <laughs> Amen. I promise you, be faithful. I can tell you so many stories of guys. I listened to the thing in this week of a guy sharing. He was the youth pastor for eight to nine years of, of, of this church. The senior pastor says to him, uh, I want you to go and do kids' church. So he becomes the kids' church pastor for a year. And then now someone asked him, do you think that was God? He said, I don't think that was God, but it was good for my soul. 
That, that man is changing the world now. But he was tested on that road. Will you be faithful? Even when it's not exciting, not cool, not self-gratifying, not in the limelight. You win the right to be in the limelight when you are behind the scenes. Amen. Praise Jesus. Faithfulness. 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 So just to summarize the four things. If you want to grow. Let's put it up there. If you want to grow, be in community. But like family. Make this church or wherever your church is, make it your family. Choose to build relationship with people. Choose to get into people's lives. This is the key for this congregation. We need to become a community. And we are. Life groups rock. I must say, I'm bonding like amazing with the people at Life Group. We grow when we grow others. You've got something to give. Take responsibility. Take responsibility for your spiritual growth. Take responsibility for your spiritual growth. Don't have people have to bug you the whole time. Please, please come. Please come. Please come. Please come. Just go. Hey, say, I'm going to be there. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm coming to Encounter One. I'm going to be there. I'm coming to Life Group. I'm going to be there. And then the last thing, in terms of be faithful, doing seemingly insignificant things with great faith. Do you know what is another thing? It's like, I don't know if anybody's thought about it like this. But a Sunday service, like we have here on a Sunday, we meet at five. Why? Who are we meeting with? Who are we ultimately meeting with when we gather for church? Any ideas? God. When we gather, we, we meet together for God, to meet with Him. So I want to ask you a question. So you have an appointment with the President of the United States. Are you going to be late? Hey, buddy, I'm busy. See you later. Are you going to be late? No, you're not going to be late. Why? Because he is the president of the United States. We have a meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's be on time. I believe that's being faithful. Faithful. I have an appointment with God. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to worship him. Amen. Imagine a whole community of people that become faithful before God. Faithful before God. I believe there's going to be supernatural promotion of the whole community. And we're going to see the glory of God in this, in this city. Amen.